All right. Hey, folks, it's Faz from Faz Lifts. Now, today's video is going to be all about weak point training. So that is lagging body parts, unbalanced physiques, why they occur, firstly, and then secondarily, what can we do about them? So this is mostly related to hypertrophy. So let's carry on. Now, uh, firstly, thanks for making it onto my channel. If you have any questions or comments, pop them down below. And if you'd like to work with me on your own strength and physique goals, there's a link in the description, so get in touch. So um, firstly, as I've been doing recently, I'm going to hit you with the preemptive summary of the video, which I think will be useful in deciphering whether you want to listen to this or not, because it's probably going to be quite a long video. So if you have a weak or lagging body part, your first thoughts should go towards programming, so that is, how are you programming for the area? Are you programming sufficient focus, sufficient volume, intensity, all that stuff? Second thing is execution. Like, are you actually performing the exercises that you do for that body part correctly? Are you picking the right exercises? And the solution there being to improve execution and balance your routine. So that's the first thoughts. Now, once you've accomplished that, secondary factors include more to do with the biology of you as a person. and and why that body part is a weak place in the first in the, is a weak body part in the first place. So that is more to do with, I believe, underlying structure primarily. So that is the strength and thickness of the ligaments and tendons, and secondarily, your ability to actually connect with that muscle. And the solution there is to hit it more often. So preemptive summary is that, and I'm going to go through and talk through some specific examples. And uh, let's get on with things. So firstly, um, programming. Now, this is still a relatively common issue because outside of the realms of our little YouTube kind of circle, a lot of people still make these mistakes. And the primary one that I want to speak about firstly is minimalistic training. It has a massive impact on things. Whatever training philosophy you are sort of indoctrinated into to begin with, um, can really have a long-lasting influence on how you view training for the remainder of your training life. Like, for example, a guy who gets involved in um, bodybuilding, like proper bro bodybuilding right from the beginning, is probably going to always be quite familiar with body part splits, isolation training, hypertrophy-specific stuff. A guy who gets his um, start on minimalistic programs is probably always, or at least for a, a large portion of his time, going to be going to lean on those type of routines and what that means is you will have gaps, gaps in your knowledge. And um, a time not too long ago on the internet, people, regular, well-meaning people would unironically write such moronic statements as this, squat for bigger arms. People would say that, like unironically, completely believing it. This was back in the day when forums uh, had didn't have your real name on and it was you were just it was just the forum um regular you know the old hand on the forum chad thundercock was like this is what you must do you must squat for bigger arms unbeknownst to everyone else chad thundercock was just some like 50 year old fat dude um who had never bodybuilded in his life but he just heard this was a good idea so nowadays we have a bit more believability because you can see people face to face and you can go onto their social media and see them train so you can kind of get a semblance of what they're about but but seriously, back in the day, people would unironically say that. Now, things aren't quite as bad, but even back then, 
this was the type of minimalistic routine which was very popular amongst the quote-unquote hard gainer crowd. This was an actual routine from one of the books. Day one, you did the squat, dip, row, calves, hyperextension, abs. Day two, you did the stiff leg deadlift, overhead press, curl, and abs. And these are all for between, between one to three sets. So if you look at that, arms here are getting two sets of direct bicep work and zero direct tricep work. But that was a routine which was fully intentioned to get that person not only bigger and stronger, but 70 to 80 to 90% towards their genetic limit. So it hasn't been long since people actually believe that. You guys might be sat there thinking, that's just crazy, Faz. But if you've been around for as long as I have, you know that this is where we came from. Like People like this existed. People like this still exist. How's that for crazy? So it can seep into people's programming thoughts, the minimalistic training. While they might not go that extreme, they might just not give as much attention to certain body parts like arms or a common one, or not give the arms as much focus as they might give the chest or quads or hamstrings, just in terms of the focus during the course of the week and the routine. So that can have an effect on your development. Next up is power building. <laughs> now, power building has taken quite a bad rap recently. Um, rightfully so. <laughs> um, rightfully so. It's, it's, it's had quite a bad rap recently. I mean, I've I've never been a massive fan of it. Um, I think I generally tend to think power 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 builders are just kind of want to be powerlifters. Um, they want to be strong, but they're not committed to compete in powerlifting. Maybe they want to be bodybuilders. They want to be bodybuilders, but they're not committed to being lean. Um, and I'm sorry for any power builders who take offense to that. But um, you know, if you do take offense to that, well, odds are I can probably outrun you. So <laughs> I'm not too concerned. But I'm joking. I'm joking. Anyway, the problem here with power building is oftentimes it's just a powerlifting routine with curls thrown in. So they tend to be very deficient in certain areas, like all the areas that I was deficient in when I moved out of powerlifting into bodybuilding. And that is, take a guess, biceps, delts, and hamstrings. Those are the three. Calves sometimes as well, but generally those guys are pretty fat, so <laughs> calves aren't an issue. But um, yeah, so those are essentially the areas where the power builders tend to be deficient in is arms, delts, and hamstrings, which is very common because that is what most powerlifters are deficient in unless they pay good attention to what they're doing. So that's another area. Now, it's fine if you want to be a powerlifter and it's you're, all you're bothered about is your total but bear in mind what this video is about it's weak point training how do we get to the point where we have lagging body parts it may well be a case in the first instance what i'm talking about here is programming okay now just one more thing before we move on actually it's not only the programming but it's also the mindset like power builders often tend to put most of the emphasis on the squat the deadlift the bench the overhead press row or chin if they can chin I'll stop now. Um, whereas they don't give the necessary effort towards some of the smaller lagging body parts, typically it tends to be things like the arms. So that's another thing that over time can cause real problems. And finally, what I see a lot of in this country is very, very strength-focused bodybuilders, the whole two-set-to-failure crowd. And the problem there is, in my opinion, it's not bodybuilding. It's it's essentially just a bodybuilder trying to lift like a powerlifter. It's a perversion of what bodybuilding is. Most of these guys 
they will sacrifice everything, including form, feel, pump, for more weight on the bar. And that's just not the way to go. So a lot of these guys, they tend to become very torso heavy. So for example, um, a couple of years ago, the push-pull leg split was very popular. Okay, A couple of years before that, upper low was very popular. And all of these um, programs have been criticized in the two set to failure crowd circles to say that they result in a boxy physique, a very torso heavy boxy physique. My question is, was it the routine or was it the emphasis and the execution of the exercises? Because if you're, if everything is being lifted with the sole intention of lifting more weight without any concern to form, feel, focus, then you're going to naturally lose focus on the areas where you lag behind because the stronger muscles will take up the slack. Okay. It's kind of like, um, let's say you're, you're playing a game of tug of war, right? The weakest guy on your team, he's probably not going to be pulling that much. It's be the strongest guys who pull the lion's share. In fact, they might pull way more because the, the weaker guy, he's just taken along for the ride. Certainly when they're being pulled along. So the weak body part, let's give to give you guys an example. Let's say, let's say your weak body part is your biceps. Okay, I'll I'll say this example because it's an example which is near and dear to my heart. Let's say your, your weak point is biceps. If you're curling, and most of the curl is going to your forearm, or your bicep, or your um, shoulders, it's going to be a problem for your bicep development. And I think that's what happens to a lot of guys. They get really beefy forearms when they do lots of curls, chin ups, all that kind of stuff. Well, they never really grow their biceps. Forearms are fantastic, but never really grow the biceps because they really have to lighten the load and feel the burn, the pump in the biceps so we know that they're actually getting worked. So for people who say the form and the pump are useless, bonkers, what are you talking about? They're, it's useful for something to show you that you're working the area you're supposed to be working because you can curl 50, 60, 70 kilos but if you're a very forearm dominant lifter, it's all going to go to your forearms. So strength-focused bodybuilders, there's a problem there because they often lose the form and the feel. Now, that's fine for overall size. When it comes to filling in gaps, the small body parts, they'll be taken along for the ride because the big body parts will do the lion's share of the work. So that's another reason why you end up getting weak points. Okay, so next one is execution. So, so far, just to kind of stop check where we are, so far... Just to kind of summarize, okay, so far what I'm mostly talking about is building the case for why we get weak areas and lagging body parts, okay? Um, and I'm hoping that some of what I say is going to ring true for you. You think, ah, actually, yes, I do have a lagging body part. Maybe I need to think of these quick, easy solutions first before I do anything drastic or condemn myself to having weak body parts. So hopefully it's got you thinking. That's what we're at so far. Now, back to it. Execution is the next thing. Now, in the first instance, we have some like really obvious factors like swinging. So my, my quote here is, everything is a lower back exercise if you're brave enough. <laughs> if, if you do an exercise with bad enough form, it's going to be a lower back exercise. Everything is a lower back exercise. Now, that sounds, it's like a joke. It sounds funny, first of all. But second of all, what is it actually saying? Well, the lower back, the hips, the glutes, that is the seat of your power. That is where the majority of your power comes from. Now, if you have lagging body parts, oftentimes there are body parts which lag around the peripheral areas of the body. So maybe delts, arms, forearms, calves, hamstrings. Yeah. So if you're swinging and cheating the weight up, 
you're going to be using a lot of the larger areas to take stress away from where it should be, which is on the smaller areas. Now, not always. Sometimes you can use some execution and swinging to actually get more stress on the smaller body parts, but you have to know what you're doing. But what I see a lot of is a lot of cheating and swinging to take stress off the smaller areas. Then you end up with really good forearms if it's biceps or really good whatever else and really poor muscles that you're trying to fill in. Now, the less obvious factors, I touched on this a little bit in the last slide, but everything being focused on the extra rep or the extra five pounds rather than improved form, cadence, and mind-muscle connection. The best example I can give you of that is everybody has one of these guys in the gym. He's the, the guy who's a perma-bulker. He's always overweight. He's always slinging around heavyweights, and he's doing it because, quite simply, mass moves mass, which is fine, except... He wants to be a bodybuilder, but he's never slimmed down. It's always the big fat guys because they have enough size to throw weights around. And that's, again, it's cool for overall size. It's cool for powerlifting, but it's not cool for weak lagging body parts because, again, the larger surface area, your mass, your belly in a sense, is going to just swing the weight past your biceps or whatever else you're trying to build. And the next thing here is people who say things like, you don't need to get sore to progress. The problem is, if you match that attitude with poor programming, if you match it with bad execution, you really have a recipe for disaster. If you match all that, again, with somebody who's not training that hard, what chance do they have? Let's just envision the situation. Let's imagine your delts or your lagging body parts, okay? Or let's say biceps or triceps, whatever. Let's say biceps. That's been a common theme in this video. So let's say biceps. Let's say your biceps are a lagging body part and you refuse to ever push for soreness, okay? And at the same time, whenever you train, you're really focused on progressive overloading, putting an extra five pounds on the bar. You're doing all the right things. Everyone's telling you, just get stronger. Great, it's like, do the curls. You initiate the curls with a little bit of swing. You really grip hard with the forearms. You get a killer forearm workout. Your brachioradialis is on fire. You get nothing in the biceps. And you say to yourself, well, I don't need to be sore anyway. You combine all that together. And let's say maybe you don't do as much work for the biceps as you need to. They're last in your routine all the time. And they're weak up until this point. What hope do you have in the future for correcting that imbalance? You have no hope. There's no chance it's happening. So it's always going to be a weak body part. So execution and this whole aversion to actually feeling the muscle work and getting sore and pumped is really holding some people back. And they need to get out of this dogmatic way of thinking of thinking, well, the pump's just not useful at all. Get real. We're not saying chase the pump and just do, I don't know, um, banded arm curls for an hour. No one's saying that because people come up with all these ridiculous counterpoints like, oh, I could ride a bike and get sore in my quads. We're not talking about riding a goddamn bike, are we? <laughs> I hate it when people give that analogy. It's like, it makes no sense. Nobody mentioned riding a bike. We're talking about being in the gym. Nobody mentioned changing training frequency. We're talking about being in the same training frequency, just putting more of an emphasis on pump and soreness because we want to actually target the body part we're trying to grow, okay? So if you are going to make analogies, be sensible, okay? Okay, so some initial solutions. Okay, so so far, 
we've covered all the possible reasons, well, all the initial reasons, there are more reasons. These are all initial reasons of things under your control, okay? These are all things under your control, things that you can do better. And now I'm gonna provide you with some initial solutions for things you can practically do better. And after this, we're gonna go on to more structural biological things. So stay with me. If you wanna pause the video, get a cup of tea, it's fine, I've got mine. <laughs> and uh, we'll carry on. So, firstly, ensure that we carriers aren't unintentionally an afterthought. It's a very, very common thing for people to have weak arms. For You know, for guys in this YouTube circle to have weak arms? Because up until now, the YouTube bodybuilding community for the last 10 years has not done a very good job of getting people to actually focus on arms because there's this whole ego thing around it. You know, do squats, do deadlifts, do benches, do rows, work hard, rah! Like it's tied into your masculinity. Me personally, I am content with just having male genitalia. I don't need to go out onto YouTube and convince everyone of our masculinity with talking about exercises. I am happy enough with, with my sexuality as it is. I am able to take a balanced approach and a logical approach to programming. I don't need to make a big fuss about masculinity when I talk about training. So we haven't done, YouTube as a whole hasn't done a very good job of normalizing the fact that it's okay to train your biceps. It, in fact, you should be training every body part as equally as it needs. So firstly, consider kicking off some sessions with weaker body parts. So for example, if you are doing an upper lower routine, it won't harm you to start some upper body days with the back. Most people do, do chest back, chest back. Why not go back chest, back chest? Why not start with delts? Start with biceps if you want to, doesn't matter. As long as you're executing the lift correctly and your biceps are targeting your biceps, your back work is targeting your back, well, it won't be a big problem. And odds are, if the body part is weak, well, you probably need extra work on it anyway. Or with push-pull legs, consider starting some sessions with arms, with delts, with calves. In some of my push-pull leg rotations, I will start with delts. So for push, delts, then chest and triceps. In others, I'll start with chest, then delts and triceps. Also, the next thing is consider an entire day for the area. Shock, horror. What is Faz talking about? He's talking about feeling the pump, feeling soreness. He's talking about body part splits. What is going on? But yeah, bro splits might be back on the menu. Why not? We always talk about bro splits not being optimal. And I hope people realize optimal in natural bodybuilding is the difference between I don't know, two and a half pounds of muscle versus three pounds of muscle at the end of the year. So is it that much of a factor if we're going away towards correcting imbalances? Not really. So one area where brosis might actually be back on the menu is if you do have a situation where you genuinely do have lagging body parts via execution and programming. Well, the one good thing about the, about the bro split is you're definitely going to hit that area. You know, it's going to get hit. Yes, you could argue, well, if you hit it twice per week, you get two growth stimuluses. But if those two sessions aren't actually stimulative, then you'd be better off just doing one. People always say, well, I want 104 growth stimuluses per week, so I'm going to train a body part twice a week. Well, if none of those sessions are used, are actually hard enough, then you're not getting 104, you're getting zero. So maybe, maybe just have 52 really good sessions, if that helps. So just some ideas some things to try. And I think with all of these things, if you've not tried them before, 
it's worth trying them because it may well be the key, the solution. It would be a horrible thing if you spent your entire life not doing bro splits because some geek on Reddit said that they were um, suboptimal. But then you, you tried bro splits once when you were like, I don't know, late 20s, late 30s, and they were like, amazing for you. You're like, what did I want for? I've been doing all these years. For 20 years, I've avoided them. But um, they actually turned out to be amazing. So it's worth trying. Okay, next thing is in terms of solutions. Consider pumping up the volume for the lagging body part. Arrange your week in terms of volume per body part. And I have done videos on this, I'm pretty sure. Um, specialization areas. So add some more volume to the area and see if that helps. Program in more volume. So let's say you've got lagging hamstrings. Okay, we'll program them in a couple of times a week, maybe three times. If they're truly lagging, they will be fine to hit three times a week because they just won't take up that much soreness. So uh, add some more frequency, add some more volume. Make sure you're adding in frequency because you want the volume to be quality. Next thing is consider intensity techniques like supersets, drop sets, my reps. Now, the reason is twofold. One is the extra volume, but the second thing is probably more important. And that is take the focus away from the poundage progression. Put the focus where it should be, and that is on the burn, the control, the form, the focus. Yeah. So that's another reason why you might, why some people respond very well to drop sets, my reps, and supersets. Because as soon as they start doing that stuff, the fancy stuff, they focus on the burn, they focus on the muscle, they focus on getting a contraction, they stop focusing on the logbook for a while. For some people, that's a big positive. It's really a step forward. I remember um, before uh, Luke Sando passed on, he was experimenting with a lot more cable work for his arms and his delts for that reason entirely, because it meant that he could take away his focus from poundage progression, because whenever he was in the gym, his focus was only on poundage progression and nothing else. So he could do away with that. And instead he could focus on the muscle. So it took him to completely step away from his training method to do that. Otherwise, if he was in the gym, he was going to lift heavy and it wasn't working for some body parts. So it's worth considering. Okay, and next, I think this is the final two bits for more solutions. Clean up your form. This is something I mentioned earlier on. The weak points that you have, your lagging body parts you have, they tend to be victims of both genetics and programming. You have to ensure you aren't utilizing stronger body parts to cheat the stress away from where it's needed. And a large part of how people do this is moving towards machines and cables. That fixes a lot of issues. Because again, they're not, people are attached to the barbell, they're attached to compounds, they're attached to lifting heavy. Oftentimes, you have to take them out of that zone completely. You say, okay, you're now going to go onto this cable setup. And you know what? You're going to do my reps. You're not even that concerned about poundage progression. You're just going to try and focus on the squeeze, the pump, the feel, the exhaustion. And they report back and you go, oh, fast as magic. It's amazing. Like, yes, it is. You could have done that with barbell curls, but your mind was stopping you. Because as soon as you hit the barbell, you're like, I must lift heavy. I must lift more than last time. Because that's what everyone tells you on YouTube. So yeah, clean up your form, utilize machines and cables. And finally, ensure you actually feel some pump and soreness every once in a while. Dismissing decades of anecdotal evidence on pump and soreness is naive at best. Like it's not a sensible course of action. So utilize all the tricks. Okay. Now, that was the first half of a very long video. And in that half, I discussed what are common problems with programming and execution. 
these are all things that are in your control you can fix and once you fix these things you might even even out the um the laggy body parts to the point where you don't need anything else but um so that's the first thing first sort of first thing to do is ensure you're programming executing correctly if you can do that you might not even need to change your routine that much it'll mostly be the same you won't need to make any major structural changes like have we you know you know it can be solved simply now the next stage is to understand some of the underlying reasons so let's say you've done everything in the first part of the video you've tried that you've done it for six months to a year you've not really even out the lagging body parts and you're like okay I need something else I need to understand what's going on so next thing is why do those lagging body parts remain lagging body parts and um, oftentimes this is due to stuff out of your control so the first thing is underlying weakness in the in the structure of the um, tendons ligaments and bones surrounding that muscle a very common one is people have sometimes smaller upper bodies relative to the stronger legs so smaller wrists relative to proportionally larger ankles less common is people have proportionally larger upper bodies and relatively smaller legs and ankles and that's just a structural weakness basically the larger your frame is the more mass it can hold the, the more the thicker it typically is which means the heavier you can lift which means the more stress you can put on the muscle so that's the first thing weak areas you know as in weak underlying structures so tendons ligaments weaker brittler bones the next thing is and this can all is is also one of the reasons why you might get structural problems those weaknesses can actually also occur via injuries to so via structural damage so as in major injuries from trying to go too heavy or from powerlifting like i know for me for example biceps are not only a laggy body part for because of programming in the past but also structurally i'm pretty sure i've got like a tear there or something so an injured bicep if it's not reattached properly is very hard to recover from injured pecs for example very hard to recover from um pecs seem to be better but after a certain point they lose the thickness that they previously had so if you didn't have a lagging body part previously you can actually turn an area into a lagging body part by just continuous injuries which is another reason why you should pay real attention to form execution and you should not be taking liberties or um having or, or trying to go unreasonably heavy like for example you all saw the um the recent pec tears um forget that lad's name in in saudi arabia wherever he was he was with uh, larry wills you know the guy with the horrible pec tear that pec is probably never going to be the same again never and he's what 23 years old never be the same again it'll look good because he's i think he's an IFBB pro i'm not sure if he is or not i don't think he is actually no but it'll probably still look okay because he's got decent potential he takes a lot of drugs <laughs> so it'll probably be okay but it'll never be the same i see some bodybuilders on my instagram who are deadlifting 800 pounds and i just think to myself you're a hamstring tear away from that hamstring never being the same again so we weaknesses can occur actually purposely from injuries as well and structural damage the next thing is poor mind muscle connection so part of this is how well do you connect with the muscles now if you take a bodybuilder like let's say big rammy for example you know mr current mr olympia two-time mr olympia thick bone structure thick dense bone structure and on top of that i am willing to bet 
he doesn't have one body part on show which he doesn't have a poor mind muscle connection with. I'm willing to bet whatever he flexes, he can flex hard and cramp. Like for me speaking personally, I can flex and cramp my pecs, my lats, my quads, my calves, my forearms, every body part that is a strong body part. The body parts that I'm weak in, I can't do that as well, like my biceps. So training can help here, but ultimately the mind-muscle connection is huge. So again, when people say you don't need to feel sore or get a pump, I just think, oh, if you're not getting sore or reliably getting a pump in those areas, it means you have a poor mind-muscle connection, which typically means you're not going to get amazing development from that. Now, there's always going to be some guy in the audience in the, in the comments who say, look, well, I grow this body part and I, I never feel it. But calm down, okay? What I'm talking about is when you have a weak body part and you still can't feel it, that's a poor mind-muscle connection for a lagging body part, okay? If you don't need to feel your chest to grow it, well, that's even more reason why it's a strong body part. You don't even need to feel it. It grows anyway, right? <laughs> so let's not make those logical mistakes. So poor mind-muscle connection. The difference here is, let's say a guy who has an amazing mind-muscle connection and amazing physique and potential. His 10 to 20 sets per body part per week will give him a lot more stimulus than your 10 to 20 sets per body part per week. Because let's say you don't have a very good mind-muscle connection. Also, your ligaments and your joints are weaker in that area. That's a problem. It means that the level of stimulation that guy, the gifted guy can give to his muscles is going to be far in excess of what you can do. And that's a problem. That's a problem because you'll never be able to deliver the same training stimulus as him set per set. So there are solutions to that, of course, which bridge the gap some way. But poor mind-muscle connection is another one. And it is very much a genetically um, dependent issue. But it is an issue. So secondary solutions. The secondary solution is actually very simple. And there's only one. If you are in a position where you have fixed the programming and execution and you're still not able to deliver a very good stimulus to that muscle, it means it is weak due to underlying structures and a poor mind-muscle connection, which means that for every set you do, you're getting less and less stimulus than somebody who's gifted in that area, which means you take on less damage, less stimulus. So the solution is you just train it more often because it doesn't take on as much damage. It doesn't take on as much stimulus, which means it will recover faster. Weak body parts almost always recover faster because they just don't get hit as much. So assuming you have fixed the initial problems and this is still a problem, like this is where it is for me and my biceps. Fix the programming, fix the execution, still set per set, they are still a weak area. That is when I now need to hit them more often. Hitting my biceps four times a week is actually very good for me. It works. So most of the routines I do, if I'm in a gaining phase, I'll try and hit the biceps more and more often. Same with the delts. And that works a charm. Now, if you're telling me you've got a weak body part and you get sore on it, it's not a weak body part. It's not a weak body, but genetically weak body part. It's a weak body part because you programmed it wrong. So fix that first. The second half of the video is not applicable to you. Okay. So second part of the video, if it's a genetic weakness, train it more often. Simple solution. And simply because it won't take on as much damage, which is why it needs more. Right. So in terms of my summary and concluding thoughts, this was all written up in my ebook, The Berserker, which is 
the specialization template. Focus on execution and programming first. Always focus on that first. Secondarily, adapt your training and understand it will always need additional training. Your training will probably, if you have a lagging body part, which is due to genetics, it will probably always need additional training. So welcome to the individualization of training. That is it. You are now making changes on your routine based on you as an individual. Congratulations. That is a very big step for most trainees. Most trainees don't. They run from program to another, one to another to another. They don't actually pay heed to what they need. But you've learned something about yourself. Write it down. Don't forget it. Keep applying it. All right, folks, that was quite a long video. But um, hopefully it gave you all of my thoughts on weak point training, how to fix it, how to start, how to go about doing it, and also what the various stages are. And hopefully I've talked you through things quite logically speaking. So you start with addressing programming first, then you go to execution, and only then do you move to um, frequency and acknowledging that, okay, this is probably a genetic weakness, which is always going to be weak. So all I can really do is hit it more often because every set that I do is going to be worth half or a third of the sets I do for other body parts where I am gifted. Okay, folks, I'm going to call it there. Let me know your thoughts and I will speak to you real soon.